Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the New Books Network. And I know she'd have a wonderful time seeing some, uh, some decent shows. I mean, not just movies. Hi everyone, I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Welcome back to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. You know how the show works. So this week, I picked a movie, saw a movie, loved it. Uh, I didn't know, Dan, that you had seen it before, but I know that you watched it a couple of times in quick succession for the for the podcast. It's Stella Dallas from 1937, directed by King Vidor uh, and uh, starring the immortal Barbara Stanwyck. So I'm just going to let you react to it. We've never, in our entire years of friendship, we've never spoken about this movie, which is incredible to me. What do you think of Stella Dallas? This movie does everything a movie can do, and it does it unbelievably well. I mean, this movie was so popular, I found out. It became a radio serial um, that went on for years, and for 18 years, dramatizing the lives of the characters after the movie was over. Isn't that incredible? I think it's great because for a lot of reasons. The first is, and we don't have to answer this now, the first is that it hinges on a great thought experiment, which is this. If you could guarantee your child's happiness, but at the cost of you never seeing your child again, would you do it? <laughs> that, I think that's a great question to ask, right? Because good parenting, as you know, it's not about you. It's about the kid. You would do anything for your kid, right? Well, what if you can guarantee that kid will be happy, but the, the causes you could never see the kid again, would you do it? And if you say yes, why did you say yes? And if you say no, why do you say no? So I think that's the, that's the core question the movie asks. And we could talk about that when we get to the ending, because that's what the ending is all about, right? Um, I think that this movie is louder than the first half of Saving Private Ryan. I mean, and that's not a dig. It's like a testament to how much everybody committed to making this a, a great melodramatic opera. And I, I do not mean melodramatic as an insult. I mean, this is pure refined great melodrama i mean it's so over the top right i mean you have those great set pieces like the birthday party the crying baby the fight about the turkey and it's so noisy because there's so much emotional noise in this i mean stella is is physically and emotionally noisy and then of course she meets ed who is also physically noisy in a lot of ways and and mrs morrison and uh and her husband um they're much more quiet the last thing I'll say about this that watch it is that um, I know that you are not a fan of Facebook. You are not a big fan of Facebook. Neither am I. And one of the things that bugs me about Facebook is that how much parents post stuff about their kids. And this movie predicts that kind of nauseating trend in social media. Stella would have been right there. Stella would have been right there on Facebook posting pictures of her daughter. Uh, she would have. She would do anything to get her kid more likes on Instagram. And of course, every parent is like that. Every parent wants to be proud of their kids. But I think that Stella is you ratchet that up a couple notches. And the joke of the movie and the great thing of the movie is that her daughter, Laurel, is such a drip. And she's, I mean, Stella's love seems all out of proportion for, for this girl. But of course, that's because Stella's her mom. All, all parents love is, is way out of proportion. Now, but 
if you okay if i told you that this movie before you saw it again if it that this movie covers uh like 27 years of ground how long would you assume that it is um four hours yeah it, I, this is this is the kind of thing that has an entract and an intermission you know in a certain kind of age and king vador did make movies like that don't forget yeah so he could he could have done it as an epic melodrama this movie's a hundred minutes i can't believe the economy of this movie because the, the emotions are not only big and the set pieces the set pieces all take time right to unravel like any great scene you got to build it up you got to show what's at stake and then you got to let it rip so the set pieces alone probably soak up 30 to 40 percent uh, of the minutes in this movie so just from an economic perspective it really does what melodrama does well it uses types so that you know who the characters are it sets those types going it sets up consequences and then rather than redirecting the consequences, it lets you smack into the consequences, but they somehow they still work. Um, they kind of just stick the landing. And I, I can't believe how efficient this movie is from from the first minute to the last. I'm just absolutely I'm stunned by what good filmmaking it is. Yeah, there's not a wasted moment in this. And it's funny that I never thought that never occurred to me. That's true. It spans like 27 years, right? In a short amount of time is that sometimes movies will do the opposite. Like we love um, the best years of, our, of their lives. That's over three hours. But remember the first hours, like the first day when they, when he comes home and they all get together. So it's kind of interesting when a director can pull it off and say, I'm either going to put so much happening in a small amount of time, or I'm going to make this movie almost in real time. Well, I, I think, and one of the, one of the interesting things is we we spoke when we did Heat about how you, you could give us an unlimited budget and what we wouldn't be able to do is kind of organize the chaos such that you know like what side of the street and which end of the street you're on during the bank heist scene. Um, this movie does such a good job. When Stella overhears um, the stuff about herself or her daughter's like wriggling at the counter, you don't go... I wonder why she's uncomfortable. You, you know what I mean? You grasp immediately what's going on in each scene. And so there's not just an economy of form, but really this director is in absolute lockstep with the audience and getting the absolute best out of each character. Um, because I do think Stella is a wonderful over-the-top character. Um, the actress who plays her daughter is must be a great actress to pull off be, being such a drip. Yeah. And it's it's funny because what you said about the economy of it is that sometimes people overlook just how hard that is to do. So let's do the bank robbery bit again, like heat. Okay, Dan and Mike, here's the novel, because this was based on a novel. Read the novel and turn this into a movie. We'd say, well, we have to put in this. We have like we can't get this down. We can't get this less than three hours. And some studio executive says, No, you can't, you gotta fill more seats. You gotta have we gotta project this more times. You don't get three hours. Okay, can we have two and a half? No. Can we have two? No. You have to keep, but of course, that's strunk and white. Right. That's like omit needless words. That's that's do a lot of things with fewer moments and make every scene count. So in the very beginning, right, you know what Stella's like because she's reading the newspaper, right? She reads about Stephen Dallas. She 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 stands on the side and reads the book called like, you know, classic love poems. And you you, you do all the algebra so quickly. And then her brother comes home from the mill and her father comes home. And and you, and within three minutes, you've got her world, her goals, what kind of person she is, what she'll do to get her goals, they're all there. The economy is also the more I comprehend, the less easily I'm surprised. So I'm also difficult to delight. So the 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 amount of comprehension to delight doesn't make sense. It do, it it doesn't fit, but somehow it works because I you could this movie tells you exactly what's going to happen. He's going to marry her, 
They're not going to be happy. They don't come from the same place. Stella will always be Stella. But somehow even seeing the same version of the same scene four different times through the years is in itself gratifying and it works every time. It's not like you're bored the fourth time of it. It hurts not just as bad. It hurts worse later in the movie than it does in the beginning. Again, I don't understand how that makes sense because it tells you what's going to happen. But then I I think great movies will let you know what's going to happen and then they trick you anyway. I think the reason that that happens is because all of the characters are, it's in a a finely tuned melodrama, but all of them are sympathetic. All of them have a point of view. We are on all of their sides, so to speak, certainly hers, but certainly like, like Stephen Dallas, he's, he's got a point, you know, her daughter's got a point. Um, the teacher from Boston has a point They they all kind of have a case to be made. No one becomes like snidely whiplash. Welcome back. In part two, we always talk about our favorite moment from seeing the movie this time. Mike, what stuck with you this time? Well, what stuck with me was when Ed comes over uh, right after Stella has her baby and she's talking about motherhood and she's not drinking anymore and she's having the sarsaparilla and all of a sudden um, people have cigars out. He takes his jacket off. Um, he starts to drink bourbon. Everybody else starts to drink bourbon. They start to play jazz um, and also and the baby starts crying. But what strikes me about the scene is that at no point in that scene is Ed unlikable. Uh, And I think that that's that really is how this movie works. We were just touching on it in part one, because I think even Ed has a has a case to be made. And what he's saying is, in order to be a good mom, you still have to be a human being, right? If you surrender your personality, there's no personality left to to impart to this kid. Um, He it's just it's just very inopportune, because it's again, it's one of the set pieces in this movie that totally explodes. And then the husband comes home, and it's all shot from his point of view, right? But each each individual thing seems good natured and like a comic vaudeville show. Out of anything, he puts um, the cigar out in the oatmeal, he takes his jacket off, um, he's got a he's got like a straw boater on, which is uh, one of my favorite things. The big the big mustache, right? No individual thing that he's doing, including the belt of bourbon, seems really that bad. It's the combination of elements seen from the right point of view uh, that that makes it indefensible. Whereas each action in and of itself, including him coming to visit, seems somewhat defensible. Uh, and and I think that the accumulation of those elements is really how the movie gets away with these with these set pieces that all of a sudden snap into place uh and and have you as the viewer just feel this existential dread in your stomach because you you already know what's going to happen and then it it's still good when it does yeah because when steven comes in he's supposed to be like the ra he's supposed to be the buzzkill right and and you're like uh oh and and there's definitely the sense that they got caught isn't it doesn't it isn't how you feel but of course the great thing about that scene is you get caught too like you feel like oh no like i'm in trouble because i was caught up in in uh the avuncular ed i'm complicit yeah, I was having a good time too. And the baby was crying a lot, but babies cry. That's what they do. And then all of a sudden the RA comes in and you're like, oh. Well, because he's um you, you uh he's little John in in Robin yes. Hood, yes. the the guy who plays Ed, right? Yes. I mean, he's 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 a jolly guy. And it's there's something about his presence where you as a viewer go, is this about to turn into a comedy? And that's 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 what I want. Just yeah. make it as silly as possible. But of course, it gets just as silly but more grotesque as the movie goes on. So what's your moment? 
So my moment is, you mentioned before the scene with the birthday party, which is, of course, like a great set piece, right? So that birthday party goes on. She's with her daughter. They have everything rehearsed. You you know from about three seconds in, no one is coming to this party, right? Maybe two seconds. Now, you would think the lesson of that birthday party would be that Stella realizes that there's more to life than a new dress and trying to impress people and telling the maid to say the Dallas residents and doing all that stuff with the maid, right? You think that that would be her wake up call. Like, you know what? Who cares how many people come? Like, I'm still your mom. Like, let's go to the diner or let's go to the movies or something. But what's great about the movie is Stella just keeps doubling down and tripling down on that belief, right? She never even has a moment of doubt where she says like, well, wait a minute, is that way of life worth emulating, right? I mean, from the second we see her in that crummy house, when she gets the book, she she will do anything to get out of that. That's why she wants Stephen Dallas. And what's fascinating about the movie is that she never sees anything wrong w- with with her desire to be part of that club, which does not want her as a member. <laughs> no, uh, and uh, not only quadrupled down, she's like in a dead dive, and it's it's like every a cliche from a World War II movie where they're like, you know, pull up, gold leader, pull up. And she's, you know what I mean? But she's just spiraling down into the ground. And uh, the, the tension of that, I think, is why it works, right? We were talking before about predictable elements that somehow also explode. Yeah, and it, right, they shouldn't explode if they're going to be that predictable. But that is how those scenes, even in World War II movies, work. And that's that's how Stella Dallas works. Yeah, like when she starts making those homemade dresses in the beginning, she hides them in the closet, right? That's kind of touching. And you're like, oh, that's, you know, she wants to do the right thing. for. But then you realize she's been kind of like brainwashed. She's like someone in the body snatchers, like a pod person or something. And she it's almost like she's on the side of the two battle axes who are like, some people don't deserve to have children. She's like, no, 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 I do. I do. Watch, watch. We're going to have a party. I'll get her invited to the country club. And it, it, she never has a moment of doubt about whether or not that's that's a way to live your life. Yeah, I think that she has the maximum amount of emotion that a character could have without introspection. Welcome back. So in part three, of course, we always talk about the title or the ending or the key takeaways. Dan, this this movie has an explosive ending as well. Uh, I mean, like a famous immortal ending. What do you make of her peering through the window while her daughter gets married and the, the cop tries to shoo her away? The movie gives Laurel the opportunity to move ahead, right? So she thinks Stella's living in South America with Edmund, right? So this gives Laurel Laurel like the the, the moral and emotional hall pass to forsake her mother. She's run away to this, this wicked place with that wicked man. I don't ever want to see her again and I can sleep like a baby. Okay, that's what she gets, right? So going back to my thought experiment question, right? What would you do to make your kid happy, right? If it meant never seeing her again, right? Well, Stella's answer is, yes, I would do that. I I would do anything I could to make her happy, even if I could never see her again. I think that the movie sees this as noble. Stella's behind the bars watching the wedding. Just let me see her remove the veil, right? But I think the viewer might think otherwise. The viewer might think that's that, no, no, Stella, like, you don't have to answer that question. You don't, it doesn't have to be a yes or no answer to that question. The mo- She's supposed to walk away and it's heartbreaking because what Stella's done for her daughter. But again, I'm going back to this thing is that I, I think that a lesser director would have had Mrs. Morrison be, uh, you know, uh, um, an adulteress or cruel or something, but, but she leaves her with these people who by all accounts are not terrible people. 
They're not awful. So Laurel's going to be happy. She's going to join that upper crust. But but Stella never has, you said, that moment of introspection where she's like, did I answer that thought experiment the wrong way? No, she's utterly convinced yeah. that she's done the right thing. And I think that that's what, that's really what envelops her. But is the know, viewer and, and convinced? Her. Are you convinced she's done the right thing? I I think that the thing that makes this movie irresistible is that it does not convince and it does not explain. Uh, it just, it leaves it right where it is, neither a one degree to the left or to the right. Uh, I think, it, I think it hits it exactly the way that it needs to be hit. Yeah, because if the people she, if the, if the family to which, to which Laurel is going to become a member are shown to be terrible. I mean, like that, that whole set, they're kind of the caddy in the ice cream store and they're rotten on the train and they say these things, but, but that's, you could be of any social class and be catty or nasty. It, the case in point of which is that you get Stella's original family from the from the first scene, which I think is why it's so crucial, right? Because when you when you sit there and you go, I wonder if there's a class thing here. Like there's there's no commentary. There's only commentary on human nature, but not on their class. I think what's interesting is that Stella is convinced beyond a beyond a shadow of a doubt that she's made the right decision. And like you said, the viewer is just kind of watching her. And 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 thinking about it, and I think our emotional reaction to Stella is very telling about ourselves as people and about how we think of others. And I don't think I don't think it's stable because I think that my opinion thinking about the movie is not the same as when the movie is acting on me. Because I think part of its power again is that it packs all of that into a hundred minutes. It's a very condensed experience, and so the 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 ending is not so much. I think meant to be meditated on as experienced as the capstone of the movie, which, okay, obviously that's how all endings are, but this, this is not one I think where you're, where, where you're supposed to argue it out, right? The, the movie makes more sense if you watch it the way that it's supposed to be watched because it makes emotional sense, whereas it doesn't necessarily make intellectual sense. I think there's a lot of people who are on her side and then maybe they move, leave the movie theater and they go, Hey, wait a second. Like, what, yeah. why did I? Why did I feel that way? And you feel that way because the magic of movies is is manipulation. Because what's when Stella does what she does in the film, and you're watching the film, it makes absolute emotional algebraic sense. Which, of course, is how Stella has made all the decisions through her life, right? Because where did her idea of romance and the kind of right? She doesn't know any rich people. She knows rich people from books, right? She like what? What does she know about love, right? She only knows about love from art uh and so right the, the manipulation of art has shaped her as a person it's be- it's become a force in her life which is no longer artificial it's become like one of in a way and nat- one of the natural forces that shaped her and i think that that's what bears down on the ending which is you have to submit to the manipulation of art in order to understand what's going on at the end of stella dallas otherwise it doesn't really make sense Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed our conversation about Stella Dallas. Terrific, terrific movie. You can follow us on Twitter at 15MINFilm. You can follow us where else, Mike? Letterboxd. Follow us on Letterboxd. Check out our new page on the New Books Network website. We're so thrilled about that. Let us know what we should watch next. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.